on, everybody? Welcome back to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Quick, I just want somebody to answer this. In 2007, the New York Giants were what to the New England Patriots? Anybody? Blue. They lost. They were? They were the champions. They beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. They say- were the underdogs. Oh, oh. They, they were. And speaking of underdogs, <laughs> when you use code TRIPLE, Underdog Fantasy will deposit, match you up to $100. Free money, that's what we like. Gambling is legal in some states, so I don't feel bad saying that. But now, Not to introduce it. our panel, the voice you hear. I'm going to introduce Marty first. Yeah. It's Marty, comma, like, party like of one common. Ah. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hey, uh, I missed last week's show, but I'm back 110%. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go all the way to third base with you guys. Wow. That's good. Mm. We are rolling on puns to begin. LC, aka Lil Cheesecake, I'm coming to you next. Mm-hmm. Give me a pun. We're in the backseat of the car together, getting to third base tonight. It's it's <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Oh my gosh, if only we were talking about second base and I could just say the two of us. But we'll have to think of something with third base as I well. Can't get a- off, I can't get off of the third base, you know, the metaphor. If only Marty's we were doing me there this and on I'm a child. If only we were doing this on Thursday, we could say it's thirst base. I don't know. The the possibilities are endless. But we got a special guest joining us tonight, a good friend of mine, a smart mind in the fantasy baseball community. And if you follow him, he made you some money last year. It's Nick, a.k.a. Nick's MLB Picks. How's it going, sir? It's going well. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm excited to be here. Heck yeah. Eric- I want to ask you, are you going to be in TG, uh, TGFBI this year? Is that what I saw? Well, I, I just responded to uh, Justin's tweet today. I applied yeah. for it about a month ago, but like I don't, I don't write anywhere. And I did like three guest podcasts here and then a couple other places so i don't really have like a show this one we're sending them this right after you hear that justin (laughs) keep an eye out exactly justin just remember xander bogart's outperformed uh umbed rosario last year and that's the case why nick should be in tgfbi this year there's no (laughs) correlation just never forget but fellas we've made enough puns talking about third base and we talked before the show This is a very interesting position. There is a lot of likes, maybe not as much dislikes, but I think there's going to be more discussion than we've had in some of our previous shows. And Nick, I'm going to toss it to you first. Give me a third base that you like this year at his ADP and why. So just going off of like the NFBC ADP, Manny Machado is going to be hard to pass up just going off the fact that, I mean, he can finish top three, top four, and that's not a hot take by any means. And uh, going off of what we've seen so far, he's supposedly going to be able to DH by the beginning of the season and he'll ease his way back into third base. But um, even after a bad se- a quote-unquote bad season last year for Machado, he still had an awesome season. Um, I think he still hit 30 home runs and um, – yeah, so he hit he hit 258 last year, but I think this season he can he can get up to 280. He can hit 30 bombs, and I think he'll definitely get 100 RBIs, um, hitting behind uh, Nando and that Padres lineup. So I like Machado a lot. Where he's going, he's not going uh, 66th in all formats or all websites, but NFBC I like that value a lot. Do you worry about the line of context at all without Juan Soto, someone that it, a great on-base percentage, whether he hits behind him and drives in Machado for runs or in front of him and gives him RBI opportunities? No, not really. I really like the the Padres a lot this year. And um, whether Hassan Kim is hitting in front of him or Bogarts or wherever he ends up hitting, I really like that top four or five of the Padres lineup. Um, so even I like the guys behind him too. So I still think he'll he'll contribute a lot of runs this year. Manny Machado seems to be a fast starter, and then somebody that picks up a fluke injury in April or May. I feel like he's rolled his ankle a bunch. I know uh, there have been questions in the past about his hustle, 
Um, but I think he's somebody where if he's playing, this is probably the lowest his ADP has been in the last couple of years, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why I like him a lot. Um, I initially had Devers as my like, but I'm a Red Sox fan, so that's a little biased. But um, I also just think it was kind of advertised how he had a down season as well last year. But if you look at his stats, I mean, he's not – he still was amazing last year. So, But I felt like Rafi was a little bit of a layup with his really early ADP. Like if you don't pick him second or third, depending on where you're at, it's not really um, – beneficial information <laughs> fair enough fair enough marty i'm gonna go to you next and tell me somebody that you like in that range and it's probably somebody i like and whose jersey i might have in my closet <laughs> well i want to start off by just going over some third base strategy i was ta- telling you guys earlier so with third base it's probably the that and second base are the two positions that I'm really focusing on, and I'm making sure that I'm getting one of the elite guys. So with third base, I prefer to get Austin Riley or Rafael Devers coming back around in the second. And if I don't, and I'm getting to my like here, I have a, I have two likes. It's Alex Bregman and or Nolan Arenado. And the reason being, if I do not get one of those top two, um, who I consider the top two third basemen, somehow Rafael Devers is underrated. Like he should be, I think he should be going before Riley. I mean, that's my my hot take. He's a plus in everything, even average RBI runs, homers. On that hot take, <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's more of it's not exactly a person. It's more of just how I'm building my team. It's either I'm going high with uh, Riley endeavors, and if not, I need to get Bragman or Arenado. Those are the last. I think the the clip they are the clip. If I don't get one of those third base, I will get one of those third basemen by then. And then after that, the, the next third baseman coming is going to be a corner infielder. So, Marty, coin flip, Arenado, Bregman, you're on the clock. Who are you picking? Bregman, just because of his age. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I set you up because I have both of their jerseys in my closet. So there I was going to go <laughs> with whatever way you like. I'll, I'll talk about Arenado because he was a like for me as well. Uh, a back injury ended his season last year, but he's still pretty durable. 144 games in the last eight full major league seasons. The seven consecutive seasons of 30 home runs, 100 RBIs did end, but he still finished with 26 and 93. And that included not homering in his final 26 games. But his first half was great. 86 games, he had a 283 average, 19 home runs, 62 RBIs. And overall, he's a great contact hitter, a 14.8K percentage for his career. I know that does kind of neutralize with the average exit velocity and barrel percentage being in the 39th percentile, but he's someone that just makes a lot of contact with the ball and has throughout his entire career, whether he's been in Colorado or St. Louis and Steamer projects him for 263, 28 home runs, 99 RBIs. And if I can get that at the hundredth pick, I think that's a pretty good value. So I hope that I will be getting a lot of Nolan Arenado this year. He's only 32 years old and, uh, I don't think he's going to see a drop-off just yet. But that's enough of my love fest for Nolan Arenado. Art, I'm going to go with you. You liked Machado. You liked Arenado. But there's also another guy that you like in the 1 through 10 range. Yeah, I um, I was. Uh, we were talking before, and I said, uh, you know, I love Ramirez. But if I don't get Ramirez, maybe I do just sit out third base until Machado comes up. But I, I was, I was thinking about different draft strategies and I thought about how, how Hassan Kim is, is kind of a different animal at third base than he is at a second baseman or a shortstop. His speed at third base makes up for so much. Uh, if you go with a, a, a non-speed uh, like a Corey Seager, if you go with the Jordan Alvarez in the second round, um, or even if you go with a, a Riley or Devers, you can get a, a, a Kim at a corner infield. That speed at corner infield is is a game changer. Um, I think depending on your strategy, Kim fits in a lot of really good builds. His batting average is, was always uh, very good in, in Korea, uh, and it has gotten up to about 260 last season here in the States. Uh, I think it could go – higher than 260 but you're looking at someone who's going to be 15 30 let's say uh 17 27 17 30 at 38 steals last season those stolen bases are a big game changer in your uh rotisserie builds because it is 
so much more above average at third base than it is above average at like a second base or a shortstop. His his 30 steals are are just that much better if you if you passed it up in a position like second base or or shortstop or outfield early in the draft. And I think depending on a lot of builds, he fits really well where he's going. I think his value is in those steals, but he's also like not killing you on power. Like he, he he's going to get mid teens home runs and you don't have to make up a ton with that. He's, he's, he's pretty solid. Fair enough. I, I, I do like the conversation we're having about context because for second base, there's so much more speed there. Right. But third base we were talking about before, there's Jose Ramirez. There's you know Michael Garcia if you go in the later rounds. There's Gunnar Henderson that will give you some steals. Mm-hmm. Royce Lewis is a question mark. You know, obviously Ellie's going to give you um, some steals, but there's a, a big hole in his game in regards to batting average. So I, I, I like that. I think it's big on depending on how the draft goes. Yeah, and and go oh, ahead. Sorry, no, please. Mine's completely off topic. Continue. You stay on topic. I'll remember mine. No, I and that's why I was saying, like in in a draft, you can you can either plan to get Kim depending on where you're drafting, and like just overdraft his position where he's going in the mid 80s, like take him in the 70s or something like that, and and use that at third base as like a as like a new um, a way to offset a different type of draft strategy going. I, I, I specifically think of Seager, which we talked about last week, even though he's been injured and in, we just find out he's been injured in the last few days, but like someone like a Seager who at a position or, or Alvarez at a position like outfield where you might expect to get some speed early in a draft. Marty, let me hear your completely off topic thing. How many stolen bases do we think Gunnar Henderson is going to get? And the reason I asked that, I, I think we're overrating how many? Because I think some people are thinking they're going to get 15, 20. I'm thinking more around 10, maybe 12. Um, and when I look, when I punch everything in, this is based off steamer. So if you go on fan graphs and you do what's called an, an auction calculator, they basically crunch the numbers and they turn their projection into, um, a, you know, into a dollar value. So when we look at Gunnar Henderson, he's projected to be a $17 player. Um, that's a little bit lower than like he, Nolan Arenado's higher ranked higher than him and Bregman's right below him and he's going a lot higher and they have him projected for 10 home runs. I know Steamer's always conservative when it comes to rookies and uh stolen bases. So I just want to what do you, what are we thinking for stolen bases for for Gunnar Henderson next year? 12 was the first number that came to my mind too. He has the sprint speed. His sprint speed is in the 85th percentile. So he could steal. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's true. Where do they have him in the lineup? Right now, I think I guess they Ross Reese says leadoff. Yeah, so. I was going to say hit it, hit it leadoff. It's interesting. 2022, between three levels, he had 23 stolen bases. If, if he can hit 15, 20, you know, 15, 20 stolen bases, then I think he's probably worth his ADP. Um, That'd be big, yeah. It's possible that if he hits what 260, 270, he'll get you close to 30 home runs, if not more. I think like yeah. Like um, Art, Jose Ramirez almost. Art, yeah. you had you had Gunner though as your dislike. Is the lack of steals potentially the glaring reason why you're out on him? Do you just think the rookie of the year uh rise has has given his ADP helium? I think that it's hard to project that sort of growth in the stolen bases, even though his speed says that it could be there. And I think it's hard to project growth in the power and in RBIs. He, he did experience like a, I think he hit like two Oh nine against lefties last season. He had a, let me, uh, he hit poorly against lefties. His splits are yeah two Oh nine. You're exactly right. Um, and so I, I could see him losing, uh, some ABs at lefty, uh, against lefties. And I think if you're trying to project him out, even though I think like he finished great and you could project him for growth, but if you're doing a conservative projection of him, he's not that much better than Machado. He's not much better than Arenado. So I think, and, and you say the same thing about Lewis as well. If you're doing a conservative projection for them and not like projecting superstar jumps, um, 
then you're not going to project them as that much better than the guys that we're loving down at the bottom of the top 10, Bregman, Arenado, Machado, those guys. So that's why I, I had him as a dislike because I, I, I think unless you're saying you see growth in, in, in a certain area, like a, a star jump, then, then, then he's going to be similarly valued at the end of the season to guys who are getting 60, 60, 70 picks later. Art, if this was around the horn and I was Tony Reale, I would have given you a lot of points on that, especially when you got his 209 against lefties. That's like four points right there. You're leading, you're leading in the score so far. Um, but you did bring up a name on there, and that's Royce Lewis, uh, former number one pick in the draft. We're hoping that we're going to get a full season out of him. And by full, we mean maybe he plays 75% of games. But the ADP is reflective on it. And Nick, I know that's a guy that you're fading. Yeah, I actually, and it's really hard to say that I'm fading any of these guys because they're all so good. But just with an investment that you don't early have to on, suck up, you don't have to suck up. Just with an investment that early on, and a guy who's torn the same ACL twice, um, I just have a hard time with it. And maybe it's just the the twins effect. And I just think of like a young superstar hitter i just associate him with <clears throat> with byron buxton your favorite eric so um yeah i just have a hard time believing that he's gonna stay healthy but at the same time i just i picked him in a in a mock draft the other day just because he fell and his upside's ridiculous i mean he i mean if he plays 150 games he might be able to finish as the third the first third baseman just with his steals his power his RBIs run like all five categories he can, he can contribute to. Do we think I'm concerned about him stealing? Do we think he's going to, you said how he has two torn ACLs, right? Is that what it was? No, he tore the same ACL twice. Well, that, okay. Yeah. yeah that's so um, do you think the twins are going to let him run? I was I, just going to I really don't know. I mean, his his teammate Carlos Correa hasn't stolen a base since like 2019. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let me ask you: 72nd percent sprint speed. What do you think is his ceiling for stolen bases this year? I said 15 as his ceiling. Like that's the most he would get, and he got six last year. And I want to check how many games. Um, yeah. I mean, I would. You said 15. I think 15 is his cap. He had six and 58 games last year. 72nd percent sprint speed. Yeah, I mean, I could say he could he can get to 15, and that's probably a fair estimate on him. But I think if you have Royce Lewis and he reaches 15 steals, you're stoked. Absolutely. My, my reason I'm not on Royce Lewis, it goes back to the ACL tears. This is his games played by year when you combine majors and minors. 2023 he played 72 games 2022 he played 46 games before then he didn't play a professional game since prior to the pandemic 2019 played 127 games 2018 played 121 games he hasn't gotten close to playing a full season and past post pandemic hasn't played more than 75 games in a season for me using a pick uh, his ADP right now is 48 a min of 15 to me that's a huge gamble somebody that's babbit was 354 last year 23% k percentage doesn't walk a lot 8.4% uh i think that's the prospects pedigree speaking and i think that's the second half bias i'm more than happy to be wrong uh i'd never root for injuries but at the same time i think it's something to pay him a close attention to with your early picks yeah i also think like Context matters so much with these because I say Royce is a fade, but like he's a fade at his current ADP. But I mean, if you're in a draft where you're sitting and it's 80th, 90th pick, it's going to be hard not to pick him there. So like we were talking about before, everybody's, I like everybody at the right value. So I stole that line from you, Eric, but um, I really agree with that. So I'll tell you what, he makes it to the 111th pick and I can set the max pick on him. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll, I'll take one for the team and draft Royce Lewis. And Royce is good, but he usually going after Machado in my mocks. I, I think that's pretty fair as well. Um, appreciate you, Joe. Marty and Art, me and David ganged up on this person last week. 
So I'm going to let you gang up on this person this week, and that's Ellie De La Cruz. We trashed him a lot based on ADP. Um, and there is a very, very volatile profile that he has. I'm going to open up the floor to you both. Just tell us why you're disliking Ellie. Uh, so for, yeah, uh, here's the thing at the end of the, if, if let's say if he, if they allow him, even though at the end of the year, he was bad and, you know, like around 200 best case scenario is he's going to hurt you. He's not going to do you, you, you a lot too much in, in runs, not too much in RBI, maybe home runs, obviously stolen bases. And he's absolutely going to plummet your average. So I think we're just thinking of this idea of like this possibly 30, I've heard some people think he's about the 30 40 player when I mean, he batted 235 last year. Uh, he struck out a ton. I mean, we went into the, the profile itself. It's just too risky. He He's a good pick if you're going to be in, um, you know, if you're going for an overall. Like that's, that's, and this is what makes NF, NFBC different from your Yahoo leagues and everything like that. There's a reason to take that swing if you're in the right tournament. If you're only going to do one, let's say I always try to think of this like I told you guys before. If I'm only going to draft one team, I would not be drafting Ellie De La Cruz because of the volatility. And I'll get the stolen bases somewhere else. I'll chip away at them. I'd rather do that because if he gets hurt or if he gets sat or gets sent down, if he's doing that bad, you wasted a huge pick in the second round. Marty, let's say you're doing three leagues. Let's say you're doing Glarf, TGFBI, and your famous 10-man league. Are you, trying to get, are you trying to get Ellie on at least one of those teams? No, I won't have, I won't have him anywhere. Okay. Art, Marty brought up a lot of really good points. Anything else you want to add? I think the volatility that Marty spoke about is exactly the same thing that, that I, that I'm the reason that I'm, I'm staying away. It's just too high of a pick. There's too many sure things, well, much more sure things going around. You never know who's going to get injured. But by by drafting him, you're passing up Francisco Lindor at your shortstop. You're passing up, uh, you know, potentially taking in an ace pitcher, Corbin, Corbin Burns, Luis Castillo, uh, Zach Wheeler. You're, you're, you're passing up a lot of really important blocks. And, and the reason he's going that high is because of the potential that he might bring. He went 13 and 35 last season in 400 and, and something plate appearances. Uh, get that up to 600 plate appearances. Are we talking 2050? I mean, that's amazing at 235. not so amazing, but if, if, if you can extrapolate that it's, it's worth a ton. Um, I do think that there is, risk in his profile that he's not going to be playing as much that he might get sent down. And I think Kim, one of the reasons I brought him up is he's kind of providing a similar ish profile to De La Cruz, better batting average projection, but 60 picks later. And that's one of the reasons why I like him. If you're, if you're talking about trying to like get a third baseman who steals, um, has some pop to him. Kim seems like a De La Cruz light with a better batting average 60 picks later. Um, I, I, I just think it's a, it's a high pick to, to take on somebody who you're, who you need growth to be worth that pick. You know, me, you, David and uh, Art and Marty, all of us. I know I said more of us uh, more than once. It's going to be that Spider-Man meme where all, we're all just staring at each other and It'll be like an underdog draft, and Ellie will be on the board. It will just be like daring each other to take him, and he'll go undrafted. Um, I want to talk about Jose Ramirez, the number one ranked third baseman, ADP of 14, 15. Um, Last year, 282, 24 homers, 28 stolen bases. I mean, you love the, the 2020 upside, but the counting stats went down. Runs went down by three, but I think what's even more alarming is the RBIs went down by 46 from 126 to 80 and you know the guardians haven't done him any favors i I know we've talked about josh naylor as you know a a sneaky um corner infield and first baseman but they really haven't surrounded him with hitting i mean are you guys a little skeptical taking him with end of the first round yep yeah i don't like that guardians lineup that much (laughs) he's going to be 31 before the season starts his sprint speed was in the 61st percentile last year. Um, 
I just think that we see a little bit of a drop in stolen bases. I think the reason it went from 20 to 28 was obviously the increased uh, size of the bases and that you can't pick off twice, but I think pitchers are going to adapt to it a little bit. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some guys like him that aren't as fast on the base pass see a drastic drop. I mean, he's still going to be above average for a third baseman. I don't think the drop would be drastic enough to make him like an average third baseman, but 28 to like 17 to 20. Yeah, that would be a, that would stink. But I think um, I, I like him because he does provide the speed, speed as a third baseman where he's going. Um, the the drop in RBIs is, is alarming. That's a big drop. And that is because of the offense and uh, I, I do agree that the, they haven't done much to address the offense this offseason as well. I think their best signing on offense has been Austin Hedges so far. It's like their only signing on offense has been a catcher. And uh, go ahead. So ADP 15, we're all out? No, no. no I, I would say if I had three teams, he, he would be on one of them. Yeah. But if you're I drafting think- one, he's not on that team. No. I think I might be in the in the minority among you guys because I think if I were in a position to take like if, if J Ram fell, I mean obviously I'd take J Ram, but I kind of don't hate Ellie that much. And I'm I'm gonna steal something that I saw Eric Cross tweeted today. So like this is if if Ellie does not improve at all. This is based off of his his rookie season numbers. So through through 650 plate appearances, it says 235 average, 102 runs, 20 homers, 67 RBIs, and 53 steals. Like, 15. that's if he doesn't improve at all. And I think that that Reds lineup is going to be, I mean, easily a top 10 offense in baseball, I think, this year. Um, it could even be top five. So I think the downside with Ellie is, is kind of terrifying. <laughs> But just to go off of like where you'll have him if you're in three leagues, like I think I might, I might not be able to pass up on Ellie. I think I, I would prefer taking him over J Ram just because of the offense context and the the ballpark. And I mean, Ellie's is he the fastest? No, he's like the second fastest player in baseball to maybe Bobby Witt. I don't know. Yeah, that's like one and two. It's just. looking at a split. So this is after the all-star game, or in other words, when there was some film on him and major league pitchers actually started to know what, what he's good at, what he's not. He slashed 191, 271, 355. So he's got a 271 OBP. I don't see him getting 50 stolen bases. I don't think he'll get on. I don't think he'll play enough early. I don't, I don't know if he'll get on, but I'm talking worst case scenario is if he's just middle of the road, Ellie, then what? 20 home runs, 35, 40 stolen bases. That's good. That's fine. I think he's one of the guys that has the greatest ranges of outcomes for this fantasy season. I mean, if, if, if his numbers skyrocket, he could be a top five player. He could go right in his ADP range, or I could see him being a sub a hundred player. So I think that's going to be a guy that we're paying a lot of attention to come the season and, and, you know, looking for next season, especially from a dynasty perspective where his value goes, but we're going to go to the 11 to 20 range guys. We like Marty. I'm going to go back to you because you like this guy year in year out. I do. Tell us why you like some Cabrian Hayes. Cabrian Hayes, as always, we're here. No, I love what, um, he's been dealing with injuries. That's, that's been the thing that's not allowed him to be able to consistently get better at his craft. But in the second half of last year, we saw his launch angle improve his heart, his contact improve uh, hard hit rate. Everything looked a lot better. So I'm going to build off that and I'm hope he's going to be my corner infielder. I already have him in a few spots. He's not going to be my third baseman. Like I said, at this point, I've already got a third baseman, so that's why I like where he's at. He offers you, 50, if everything goes right, 15, 20 home runs, probably 25, 30 steals with a 275 average. He's a gold glove third baseman. He's going to play every single day, and I think he's going to continue to get better because even last year he had 15 home runs with the 10 stolen bases batting 271. He only had 494 bats. So if you crank that up to six, uh, 650 at bats, which would mean, in other words, he was healthy, a healthy year, 20, 25 home runs, 20, maybe 30 stolen bases, somewhere around there, like a Jose Ramirez light going, uh, obviously not the home runs, but 
you know, pretty much everything else there with the average and, and the stolen bases. Um, so it's just going to pray for him to, to stay healthy and where at his ADP. Um, uh, He's one of my favorite guys right now. It's pretty good. I think he is one of the, the cheapest sources of steals that you can get relative to their position. And without just with with actually improving your batting average, which is extremely hard to do past like the 10th round. Like usually almost everybody you get is not going to help you there. And it's interesting too, from the stolen base perspective, 10 in 2023, but he had 20 in 2022 before the base path rule was implemented. I I want to say maybe there was like a hamstring or there was something, there was a reason why he wasn't running. You guys both have broken wrists in common. (laughs) That's true. Uh, He had lower back issues. So I don't know if that kept him from, from running. I think that just kept him from doing anything. But yeah. Still got the scars still here. Oh, gosh. Art, yeah. you're a Cabrian Hayes lover, too. Is it the yes. smile? Is it anything of Marty said? No, Marty's right. I think he, he's worth he's worth his draft position. He's an easy he's an easy take. He doesn't really hurt you. I think there is growth in the home runs and steals. And, and you know, health is really – if he had a full healthy season, I'd love to see what he could do. I think taking him there, you're not – you're not sacrificing much with your draft. Um, I also wanted to throw one out for uh, Josh Young, who I think could be the potential dynamite pick among third basemen. He is. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, he missed thirty-seven games when he broke his thumb in uh, in August of this year, um, and. Without the without those thirty seven games, he still hit twenty three home runs with seventy five runs and seventy RBIs for an, a, a Rangers offense that is very good. I think he could be a really sneaky good batting average, thirty home run, good counting stats potential type of player, and uh, could be jumping up into. I mean, I don't want to like like he's like a poor man's Austin Riley. I think at this point. <laughs> Uh, and, and he's going a lot later. I really like Young. You know, when you look at his uh, stat cast, it's like he made a bowl angry, hard hit percentage, 83, 83rd percentile, average exit velocity, 86th percentile, barrel percentage, 77th percentile. Uh, the Rangers have been decimated by pitching injuries, not as much hitting injuries, although Corey Seager did happen this week. And, um, you know, the prospect pedigree, he was the eighth pick in the 2019 MLB yeah. draft. And he is, he's, he's a 98th percentile sweet spot percentage. So like he, he, he carries a high strikeout rate, but he also carries a high Babbitt, which has allowed him to, to keep a pretty good batting average. You see his expected batting average last season was nearly 260 for his 266 batting average. So I think he mostly earned that batting average. I think there's a good chance he could keep his batting average above 250 with good power in a good lineup. I like where he's going. I, I, I've drafted him on a few teams. And I think this is the difference between doing a Roto League and doing a points league. That high K percentage, 29.3% last year, 38.2 in 2022, albeit only 26 games, that's going to kill you in a points league. But in a Roto, I mean, the average 266, giving you some power, giving you some RBIs and counting stats in a stacked lineup, um, right outside the top 10 first baseman's at uh, the 11th ranked and at ADP of 103. So good call on that cheesecake. I like him as well. Nick, we're going to go to you. We're going to go to another young player. We're going to go to a Cincinnati Red, and you're going to tell me why you like Noel V. Marte. Noel V. Marte is the, the 2024 National League Rookie of the Year. Ooh. So um, I, have that, I have that locked in, my little plug. Um but no, so so Noelvi, so what I have what I have basically on him in a nutshell is that um, he can do something that if he plays a full season, if all three of these guys do, um, he can contribute in runs, RBIs, homers, stolen bases, and average. And Royce Lewis and Jose Ramirez are arguably the only two other guys who can do that. And he's going hundred picks later than them. So. Obviously, his home ballpark is the Great American Ballpark, which he can mash in. The one red flag I have on him is, uh, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but his launch angle last year was 1.9, so that terrifies me. But um, I think that, I mean, he can hit, he can 
easily reached 20 stolen bases. He was a 282 hitter in the minors. And he's just going to be surrounded by so many good hitters in that Reds lineup. And I, uh, I think I mentioned them earlier, but I'm just in love with the Reds this year. And um, that's one of my favorite just ball clubs. I, I think they'll win the NL Central. Would you well. marry the Reds if they were a person? Do you love them that much? I might. Don't tell my wife that. Okay. Well, this is going to be our first disagreement of the night. Dun, dun, dun. Hey, Marty if, you're up, if you're going to bring up his playing time, he's like the only guy who can play third base on that club. I already thought about Not that. Not true. Not true. Well, uh, yeah. Well, Art, 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 jump in. Jump in. I mean, so so don't get me wrong. I remember uh, 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 um, Dustin Pedroia used to say when he was going well, he'd call it a laser show. And Noel Vimarti's like laser show. Like when he when he's hitting well, that that he hits the ball hard. He has a great max exit velocity. The launch angle is concerning. I am concerned about playing time. I think it's going to be musical chairs as far as like who's out there among their infield. I think he'll probably get 450 plate appearances, but that's going to be, you know, with, you know, uh, Encarnacio Strand getting 450, Ellie getting 450, um, India getting 450. I, 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 I do wonder if he's going to be an everyday six, seven day a week player, or if he's going to be like a three to four day a week player. And that's, to me, that's where I'm concerned with him. Um, I think he's, he, he's a pure hitter and, uh, and I like him, but the playing time is my big concern. Yeah. I just, I just, my argument to that is I don't think that any of those guys could be options at third base. Right. So he's like the main third baseman. I think Spencer Steer played some third base last year, but he had like a negative 16 defensive runs saved last year or outs above average one or the other. And I think they're going to narrow down Steer's position and not move him around so much. He played like five different positions last year. And I think that Noel V will be the guy locked in at third base. They have um, Candelario too, though. Candelario think, plays serviceable third base. I think he'll be the first baseman in I, DH. I, I agree. Think, he'll play he'll play mostly first base, but he'll probably steal some third base games too. I yeah, I think unfortunately I love Encarnacion Strand, but I think he's gonna be one of the odd men out as well. And I also think not how many guys that is. You just named off like seven good starters. Like that's, I mean, it's a great, I know and it's see, I see why you love them, but yeah, like yeah. that's the, for me, the plate appearances, I think art, I think you nailed it. 450, 480, somewhere around there. Um, and when he does play, he's going to be down in the lineup. Like he's going to be like their sixth, seventh, maybe, I don't know, probably their seventh hitter. And so we're not going to see the RBI that that we'll need. We won't see the runs that we need. I think the stolen bases will be fine. I think there will be some power. Um, mm-hmm. But if, if someone gets hurt, if there's just too many question marks when Cambrian Hayes is two month or two rounds later. And I know he's going to play every day. He's their star. It's a. I think it's a really good upside pick. I think you could look like a genius by taking them. It could actually really change your team rather than what I would do is pick someone very conservative that would kind of help me, but maybe not really. So I can see why yeah. people are taking him. It's just the plate appearances, man. I don't know. And when he does play, I think he's going to be at the back of that lineup, and that's going to kill his counting stats. Let me. Yeah, I, I agree with the location of the lineup. But again, I really think that that lineup is just going to be a machine this year. Let me let me ask you guys because I'm on Nick's side actually. So we we got a good old two two draw. Who do you think hit? Who do you think hits lead off for the Reds? Who do I think hits the leadoff? Right now they have TJ Friedel. I don't think that stays the entire year. I think Noel V. Marte becomes the leadoff hitter. I think they have wow. I think they have Ellie hit third or fourth. His sprint speed is in the 91st percentile. He hit into Doesn't four double Friedel plays. Friedel have a better play discipline, and I think he has an increased walk rate. I don't have I, it in front of me, so I, I, could, I could be I, terribly I could mistaken. See, I could see yeah. Friedel being the starting uh, leadoff guy. But I think it's going to be Marte for the majority Marte of the year. Six percent um, of the time last year. Six percent's not a roster run. resource has him hitting seventh right now. Yeah, but Marte hit into four double plays in 124 games last year. He's a table setter. His walk percentage was close to 11 percent in the minor leagues last year. The K mm-hmm. percentage for somebody in their first year at 20.3 percent. 
I don't think it's too alarming. Um, was that was he at AAA average. or AA with his um, walk percentage? And the only reason I ask is because they have that automated strike zone in those leagues, and a, a it's mix completely of screwed up. A mix of both. So it was ten percent okay. in AAA in fifty games, and twelve percent in thirty nine games okay. in AAA. I'm, I'm sorry, ten percent in fifty games in AA. Um, he had a two ninety six xba. I mean, if he backs that up, it doesn't matter if he walks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He could he could lead off. McLean could lead off against lefties. Um, yeah, Ellie Ellie they might want to lead him off just because they want to. Roster resource has Ellie good. hitting fourth. Um, here's my thing. I think Noel V Marte has a lot of upside at this pick, and I think if none of us want to take Ellie it, in the second round. But you want somebody in the Reds lineup that can outperform yeah, their ADP. That's a good point. You're yeah. taking you're taking less of a gamble on Marte at his ADP point. than you exactly. are Elliot his. And this this is kind of the stage in the draft where you can afford to take a risk. Whereas I am really conservative in my in my first handful of picks, but not at this point. So Marty looking more like a tiger and cheesecake looking more like a cub as we get closer to the season. I, I, <laughs> I'm, it it kills me. They got Jake Fraley on the bench. We're uh, we're metamorphics. Then, you guys remember that show where it's like people transform into animals. Um, I live in Baltimore. I'm an Orioles fan. We'll touch on that a little bit at the end of the show because heck yeah, um, I, I think I'm, we I'm definitely got to cover that. I've been yeah, watching Nick, a lot of The Wire lately, so I feel like I've been in Baltimore the last few weeks. But oh, Marty, we'll have to talk about that off show. But what a great uh, show. Off air. Uh, the director actually came into our office last week and did an interview. So it's a, uh, it's been a, it's been a couple, of, it's been a couple of interesting weeks. Um, and and I'll like I said, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But Nick, I want to go back to you um, for the dislike in the eleven through twenty range. Uh, it's Ryan McMahon. I think a lot of us are out on him, but uh, just kind of give me some of your cliff notes of why you wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. Yeah, so he has a, a 191 Dis- average. Dislike McMahon? We're doing dislikes? I, sorry. Sorry, like? yeah, I, I do dislike Ryan McMahon. Okay. Um, so he has a, he had a 191 average versus left-handed pitching last year, 228 the year before, and 229 the year before that. He has a 220, 219 average on the road, and that trend also continues in 2022 and 2021. He doesn't run 15th in speed. He, K, he strikes out like 31% of the time. And, I mean – He's really good in cores, and he's really good versus righties. So, like uh, Marty and I were talking before, I mean, if you want to draft McMahon to plug him in your lineup at cores versus righties, I mean, he he's gonna be a stud. But yeah, I, I, I'm it. not really gonna be touching that. <laughs> I have him Is so it? many places, and I and I know that going into it, it's just it's the second base, third base eligibility at that part of the, that part of the draft, the middle and corner infield, it, it gets me going, but yeah, that's the only time he'll be, um, he'll be worth starting. It's like only against righties and only in cores. Is it fair to say like Ryan McMahon is who he is? Somebody that hits between 20 to 23 home runs, his home run totals, 20, 23, 23, 24 in full seasons, somewhere nine to 10 walk percentage. That's where it falls every year. 25 to 30 percent in K percentage, and then 70 to 85 RBIs. Yeah. I mean, he's that's why I, I do have him in so many places. He's just extremely reliable. He's, he's very flashy. He, he's very good at home. He, he's, he's, he's very strong at home. He's very durable. He's missed an average of 10 games over the last three seasons. So, uh, you know, somebody from that plate appearance perspective. Um, just joined, so I'm not sure if he's been, but need thoughts on Royce Lewis at third base. Sam, well, we discussed that. After rewind baseball. it, man. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> have to listen to the pod. You're, you're gonna have to rewind it, but uh, if you're looking for good news on Royce Lewis, you might want to turn to another pod because <laughs> <laughs> you won't find it here. Yeah, you need a D Mendy here for that. He would have given yeah. you the positivity for Twins baseball. Yeah. Di- they will give you the they will give you the real scoop on Twins baseball, but um, looking now till twenty and beyond, I think there is some value there. Um, Art, I want to go back to you. Who are some guys that you like past twenty? 
All right, I'm I'm just going to talk about two because uh, I think third base does dry up, and I don't want to like get into too many details on 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 nuances. I think Eugenio Suarez is a really good value. He's going at about pick two seventy five right now, and uh, I think he's going to have a below average uh, batting average, below average stolen bases, but. His power, his runs, and his RBIs are going to be above average, and his RBIs have been consistently above average. And he's hitting in a good lineup. He's going to be the starting third baseman for Arizona this season. I really like the growth of that lineup. I think it's going to be very good this year. And I think he's going to have uh, good power, good good RBIs, and really decent runs. Going very late, so as a, as a corner infielder or even as a late stab as a starting third baseman, if you if you've taken care of batting average and steals before, then he's going to be a very valuable, very late pick. He's going in the 18th round of 15 team drafts or the 20th round of of 12 team drafts, uh, or do I have that right? 22nd round of 12 team drafts. That's a very late pick, and I think he he he's project. You can project him for over 20 home runs and possibly over 90 RBIs. His projections are at 81 right now. But I think with uh, playing time in that offense, over 90 RBIs is not that much of a stretch. This is a guy who has consistently driven in plus runs in his career. So I really like Suarez where he's going. Another person I'm just going to throw out there, uh, Yohan Moncada really finished the season well. And I know everyone's sick of hearing about him. He's been around forever but he has a, a spot in the top half of that White Sox lineup, and it's guaranteed. And he hit the ball well to the end of the season. His rolling uh, Woba was above average to finish the season. His batting average was 280 over the second half with increased power. I think if you're in a, a draft champion uh, and you need someone to make sure you get solid at-bats late in your draft at third base or corner infield, Yohan Moncada is going to serve you very well. He could possibly – Increases home runs above twenty this season, uh, and I and I, I think he might do that with a fairly good batting average, and he's going past pick four fifty right now. So I think that's a really good value where he's going. I really like Moncada where he is. Um, not saying you should overdraft him, but if you're looking at a DC late, Moncada is going to be a really good value. Art, I'm with you on Eugenio Suarez. Not as much Yoan Moncada. Um, just a couple notes on Suarez. You know, we talked about Josh Naylor having the quietest 100-ish RBI season. Suarez had 96 last year. Uh, He played 162 games. He's been fairly durable. He was second in the majors in home runs in 2019 with 49 home runs. You know, they seem to make tweaks each year to changes. It's different balls each year. Even they change it midseason. Let's say they go back to some sort of happy fun ball. That benefits someone like Eugenio Suarez. So, that's a very good late source of power at third base. Um, I'm going to be getting him in a lot of drafts as well. Um, Marty, kicking it over to you. Let me know a person past the 20th ranked third base that's just tickling your fancy. I don't have him anywhere yet, but Luis Rengifo is uh, tickling it a little bit. Second base, third base, shortstop, and outfield eligibility, which does mean something, especially in your DCs. That's going to be um, extremely helpful. As of now, he's the the Angels all-everything guy. Where If they need somebody, he's going to play. So they're they're playing play him. him. They're playing him. He's going to play as much as possible. For some reason, I thought he was older. He's only 26. So just, just, just for you guys uh, trying to keep score at home. Wondering how old he is. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he does anything exceptional, but where he's going and what I'll need him for at that time is just a bench bat, somebody to fill in um, for when someone, one of my starters does get hurt. But he's slated for 626 plate appearances. The um, I had it right here. What is What do the bat have him for? Let's see. The bat, the bat X was just dropped. He, he's projected for 16 home runs. 12 stolen bases batting 250. I mean, that's that's valuable for right there with that uh, the positional eligibility. Not much of a, a high ceiling, but he's solid for where he's going. And he doesn't hurt your batting average, again. Marty, bringing in uh, Colt Keith. The Tigers signed him to an extension, hasn't played a game yet. Are you taking a stab on him at any points this year? I, I imagine maybe a DC 50, like the triple players ball, you get him in, but something... Um, where 
it's a redraft, but you can do waiver wire moves. Are you taking a stab at him? You know, yeah, I would. I would. Um, uh, I'm not dra- as of right now. I don't have him anywhere, and I don't want him anywhere. I want to see where he is. I think he, once he gets second base eligibility, because um, that's where I think he's going to be playing for mostly for the Tigers. So second and third base eligibility. I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't invest too much in prospects. You know, especially I don't know if he's going to. I does he come up with it? Does he start? After, you know, out of spring training, does he get called up right away? Is he going to be their second baseman to begin the season? We don't know yet. So the closer, that's something I'm keeping an eye on for spring training as a Tigers fan and as a fantasy player. But as of right now, I am staying away. But, hey, Dynasty and the, the future as a Tigers fan, I'm excited for him. I'm you know, it's interesting. You look at the projections for him. Um, Steamer and the bat have him in the mid-200s. But um, the FGDC, which is the uh, the Fangraphs playing time projections, have him over 500 plate appearances this year. Colt, what, oh, hit, hit me with uh, what's uh, what's the projections with 500 plus at bats? 16 home runs, 62 runs, 63 RBIs with a 257 batting average. And how many uh, stolen bases? Two. He's so- not. Yeah. Even so with like, that, he's not Luis Rangipo. He still misses out by 10 stolen bases. And he misses else. out on the stolen bases. But uh, but uh, it's interesting that the, that there is a projection. Fangraphs expects him to be yeah. for I mean, much of the season the starting a starting player. There's no reason. There's no one in front of him. I mean, right. Andy Banez, what are we talking about? Like, right. he, he needs Question to be. Question for be the panel. There. Is the AL Central the most wide-open division? Yes, absolutely. has been for a decade. If the if the Detroit Tigers gave a damn at all, they could have been in the run every single year. That's why I would take Cole Keith. I think it's their I'm counting the White Sox out of that division. I like the Royals yeah. as a long shot. I think the Twins and the Guardians are kind of like fluttering with mediocrity. I think the Tigers have the most upside. And so that wouldn't surprise me if they brought Cole Keith up earlier. Just to you know, you get yeah. in the playoffs and anything can happen, right? I'd like to, tw- I think the Twins are really good. I think the Twins are going to lead the Central pretty easily this year. Um, yeah, but it's not a pot. I mean, a couple injuries because they're, 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 uh, starting pitching is held together barely at all. I'll, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put on my best David impression. Nah, the Twins are going to disappoint. Like, you know, they're not going <laughs> to make any moves. Like, at best, we'll win the division and like maybe we'll win a playoff game if we're lucky. But like, the twins, man, they they don't care. They're just okay with being five hundred. Like they let Johan Santana go, and it's never been the same. <laughs> Touche. Uh, I'm Cole. I'm Cole Keith. Um, Ross Resource has him batting sixth. So for for whatever that's worth, uh, behind we might have just caused his ADP to go up. Hey, there we go. I, I like to to tie Nick into this betting aspect. When Nick and I have made some bets, and we see line shift, we're like, we caused this. This conversation might have driven Colt Keith's ADP up. We have hey, power. I, the but other Nick, day, I tweeted about Tristan Casas. His home run total was set at twenty three and a half, and like that's the it? next the next day, it was it was bumped to twenty five and a half. And I didn't bet it. And I know I don't. And nobody sees enough of my stuff for that to make a difference. But I I, I quote tweeted it, and I was like, they're watching. <laughs> I think it should be twenty six and a half. Oh, that's dude, he's I, gonna he's gonna hit put at least thirty this year. I don't. I don't doubt that. Oh man, gosh, we got to stop talking about betting. So, this is getting my this is getting my tickle, my fancy's tickled. <laughs> I and I, it just brought something up. Colt Keith goes. Would you take Brett Beatty over Colt Keith? Because he goes after Colt Keith. I would take Beatty only because I don't have any questions that he's going to be playing every single day. I think he's going to be playing, know, right? Yeah, I think so. I think and the power is already there. It's the batting average and wherever he plays, and I think he'll be at the back end of that. Lineup I don't have in front of me, but I would assume. Um, I would take. I would Cole just. Keith. I would say Cole Keith. I, I think there's a lot more upside with Cole Keith because we don't know what he is. We know what Beatty is, and there's power there, so that's why I would take him. I just feel like if you draft a Met, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. That's a good point. <laughs> with the I mean, um, with Colt Keith, when Jeff Passan tweeted the extension, he said that he was likely going to be the starting second baseman, and I feel like he wouldn't tweet that unless. He kind of had a plug, you know, and then there's also that the um, draft pick bonus for rookie of the year and the the bonus. They get bonus pool money, too, for international draft, I think, as well. If they get a their rookie of the year is on the opening day roster. So 
So, but we know that you're uh, NL rookie of years, Noel, Noel V. Marte. But Nick, who's a guy past the 20th ranked third baseman that you're eyeing? So I have, I have two. Uh, my, okay. first one, my first one is DJ LeMahieu. Go, DJ. That's my <laughs> um, DJ. So Go, DJ. I had to do that. Sorry. No, it was, it was warranted, you know. <laughs> so le- he might be leading off for the Yankees right in front of Juan Soto and, and Aaron Judge. And um, obviously Verdugo could do that too, but I think DJ will get the first stab at that. And then he, he's older. He's 35, but he, the last time he played less than 120 games was 2013. So he's not going to steal any bases, so you're not going to get anything there, but he has awesome plate discipline. He could just be a run and counting stat machine where he's at, and he's probably going to bat – 250 and and maybe even above 250 if he if he does bounce back and it's so late to where if he is hurt early on you just you just cut ties with him if he's not the leadoff guy you just just cut him um so then my other guy and i was surprised i was a little surprised he wasn't mentioned but is michael bush so he's at like a 572 adp right now and um so this is these are his stats for the minors. So his his splits are fine. Hit two ninety four versus lefties, three thirty seven versus righties, and I, I wrote down that he was in the PCL. So some offensive stats are a little inflated there, but he hit well also when he was in Tulsa, and he hit twenty seven homers in ninety eight games last year. So I'm I'm really really liking um, Michael Bush, especially since he finally got maybe playing time. Now he had a. a he had a really good OPS last year too. And I'm the only thing that I have on him is that he might platoon for a little bit, but again, it's so late that if it's if he's looking on the weak side of it, just just cut him or, or hang on to him or, or whatnot. But I think he's a really good pick at, at that late. Cheesecake, you're the Cubs fan. Yeah or nay. I I like Bush. Um where he's going, he's 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 a I like Bush. Um, he he's he. Part part of my inherent skepticism as a Cubs fan is that the the Dodgers were willing to give up on him. So like I'm like, well, then the Cubs definitely got taken by the Dodgers, right? Because I'm a Cubs fan, and we're expected to be the schlubs of every damn trade. Part it worked out for Bellinger. I know it wasn't a trade. It's but. true. It's true. We did get belly yeah. belly off and them. They they gave up on him. Um, but I, I like Bush's talent. I, the only problem that I've heard about him is that his fielding makes it hard to play him. Like he's not a good fielder anywhere. So he's kind of a bad fielder and he plays a bunch of positions poorly, but I don't think the Cubs are overly concerned about that right now. And he could play some DH. I I see him. I, I have a hard time projecting him as a 140 plus game starter, but I, I like his bat and I hope that they can find room for that bat for 140 plus yeah. games is what I'll say. And My- I had to, uh, I wanted to mention earlier. So every time I'm in mocks or looking at any kind of rankings, I just kind of look at Eugenio Suarez and just scroll by, but you got me in on him now. You sold me. <laughs> there, there you go, go. Art. To get a career in sales. My, my hesitation with Michael Bush and it kind of goes to what we saw with Matt Mervis last year. Like people were demanding, bring up Mervis, never nervous Mervis. You know, Marty, we saw him at the Arizona Fall League, and that was one of their highly touted prospects. And even with the Cubs in the thick of the playoff race, they seemed reluctant to give him a lot of at bats. So, um, and they that, brought in Eric Hosmer. Yeah, and then they brought in Eric Hosmer. Like it, <laughs> this is that? a this and they is were a in guy. on Reese Hoskins. Yeah, so this is a guy they they traded for. He's not a, a homegrown prospect of theirs. So even though he is late, um, you know maybe he's somebody that I will look at on the waiver wire if I see he gets promoted. Um, but I probably won't draft him. Uh, even I know the the power is there, Nick, and it's hard to say somebody past ADP of twenty ranked third baseman uh, you're, that you don't like, fellas. I want to end the show because we had some big news this week. The Orioles got sold from the Angelos family. And there will be a little bit of a transition time because once Peter Angelos dies, then the minority stake that he owns 40% can be sold. Um, But it was sold to David Rubenstein, uh, who is in the top 100. I think he's the 83rd richest man in the world. Uh, 
the ownership group includes Cal Ripken Jr., Grant Hill. Um, I'm going to open it up the floor. And I mean, Marty, I'll start with you because you're the only one not on mute. What do you think this means for the O's and, you know, kind of for baseball and, and a larger scale? First off, that it's excellent for Baltimore Oriole fans. I am happy for them. I can't think of a, I can't think of anyone who could run it worse than him in every in every step of the way. Um, consistently, just absolutely awful. And for the future, I think it's great for the the young nucleus that they currently have. I think they have the money. I assume they're going to spend it, lock up those you know five, six, seven you know players that they can keep for the next ten years. And I don't think they were going to do that, um, you know, unless they sold. So I think it's a, it's a win for everybody, um, especially the city and the the fans. Nick, Art, I I yeah. had I had um, I think the Angelos sons, the Peter Angelos was a good owner of the Orioles. He kept the Orioles in Baltimore. He was very concerned about keeping the Orioles in Baltimore after the Colts left in the eighties. I don't know if a, a lot of our audience may not remember or understand how devastating it was the city of Baltimore that moving trucks came in at midnight in the snow and moved the city to Indianapolis in 1984. And when Peter Angelos bought the team in like 1992, there was concern among Baltimoreans that the Orioles are on their way out too. And the uh, Angelos kids who took over uh, from their father um, treated it like many failed sons of rich uh, achieving fathers have and, and, and use the Orioles as like bickering uh, barter amongst each other in their battles for their father's um, fortune. Uh, so it is very good that they're sold from these fail sons of a rich daddy uh, and get them to someone who might actually want to run a professional organization and not beat his brother in daddy loves me more politics with the the team that's what i'll say about it the irony that it was going to go to his wife anyway so peter angelo is still alive 93 years old declining health advanced dementia um when he passed the stake in his team was going to go to his wife so she could sell it and celebrate their generational wealth so the irony that the kids weren't even going to get involved art you mentioned peter angelo's bought the orioles in 1993 guess how much he bought it for no idea. Is is it under 100 mil? 173 million. Guess okay. how much it sold for? Billions. 1.725 billion. Not a bad uh wow. business move. Uh for for John Angelo's claiming that it's not profitable. You got more money than all of us combined and all of our family for generations and years uh till the end of time. That dude um, was talking about moving them to Nashville like 2 years ago. I I believe he, me, he's, I know. He's He's a pud uh, through and through. Nick, uh, any thoughts that you have? I'm excited that the Orioles will finally be in on the last couple free agent starting pitchers. I mean, yeah. I had um, I hope so. seen a lot of guys on on Twitter just saying, oh, the, the Orioles are a, a stud starting pitcher away. Like, no, it, wasn't, it was never going to happen with with the way that they were restrained money-wise. And uh, so now, I mean – Say what you want about Blake Snell, but Blake Snell on that Orioles club could be, I mean, they're, they're World Series contenders if they add a Blake Snell or, or Jordan Montgomery, even though I want Montgomery on the Red Sox, but I would like Montgomery. Um, here's going to be my concluding thoughts. You know, I, I've kind of talked about what I've done for a career. Uh, I worked with the Baltimore Sun, uh, which is on the wire um, for about a year. And at the beginning of this month, I decided to go to their competitor, the Baltimore Banner. And about a um, week after I left, the Baltimore Sun was sold to David Smith, who is a chairman of Sinclair Broadcast Group. So that was a big change in the Baltimore media landscape. Uh, you know, obviously the success of the Ravens, you know, losing to the Chiefs, but there was a lot of excitement in the city. And then this sale, which kind of came out of nowhere. So the, the landscape of Baltimore has shifted a lot in the last month, but I look to the future of 2024, and we have an owner now that wants to spend. Uh, he's a lifelong Baltimore native. He's 73 years old. 
he stepped down from other positions that he's been in or is ending his tenure there. And I think he wants to see the team win. And I think he saw an opportunity with Angelos wanting to sell the team. I, I think $1.725 billion is more than I estimated that it would be worth. But he wanted to pay the premium, in my opinion, to lock up the young core while he has it. So uh, there's a lot of optimism. And as somebody that works, like I said, for a media publishing company in Baltimore that lives and dies by their local sports team success, I'm very, very excited for the future and hopeful that the Orioles can win a World Series in my lifetime. Oh, gosh, I just that was so beautiful. I left him speechless. But I wanted to um, I wanted to add one last thing just for eligibility on different platforms. But just checking in on your platform, seeing about Yandy Diaz, Jorge Polanco and Justin Turner, because those guys are third base eligible on other sites. And then Matt Chapman, I wanted to kind of mention, like if he signs with the Dodgers, I might be in on Matt Chapman, which I'm not currently. Yeah. You know, it's just, I think that's worth uh, monitoring those, those four things. I think it's good to monitor too. It's January 31st. There's going to be a lot of transactions, whether it be injuries, whether it be signings, whether it be newsworthy announcements that so-and-so is doing well in spring training or so-and-so, um, you know, is struggling and they're dropping him down the lineup. So, you know, obviously we're putting these shows out, but be mindful of the next month and a half because a lot is going to change. A lot of injuries are going to be coming out of nowhere. Get ready exactly. for it. Exactly. Turn on those underdog notifications and <laughs> use promo code TRIPLE <laughs> for when go. you sign up for our deposit match. <laughs> but for LC, for Marty, party of one. For Nick, I'm Jock. D. Mendy will be back next week, but I'll steal his line. Of we're going to make like a bread truck and haul these buns. Appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens to us.